Support for this podcast is provided by HackerJob, a reverse marketplace that actively vets engineers. HackerJob flips the traditional model on its head, meaning companies apply to engineers versus candidates applying to jobs. With companies getting an 85% response rate to the candidates they reach out to, as well as exposure to tech talent that directly meets their organization's diversity objectives. After all, the ability to attract, hire and retain tech talent from all backgrounds is critical to every organization's success. Companies such as S&P Global, CarMax and SensorTower are all using HackerJob, so why not join them? Go to hackerjob.com future to get your free 30-day trial today. That's hackerjob.com slash future. And hackerjob is spelled H-A-C-K-A-J-O-B. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 557 of the Recruiting Future podcast. When we talk about talent market challenges and recruiting technology trends, we often refer to talent acquisition as if it were an homogenous activity with common challenges and processes. However, many organisations have highly complex hiring operations that deal with challenges that can be as unique as the employers themselves. My guest this week is Lisa Scales, Talent Acquisition Director at the Royal Mail. As well as being one of the UK's largest employers, the Royal Mail also hire 18,000 seasonal workers every Christmas. We discuss everything from supply chain management to sophisticated recruitment marketing and social mobility. Lisa gives us a fascinating insight into a highly complex hiring strategy. Hi, Lisa, and welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Matt. An absolute pleasure to have you on the show again. Please, could you introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Yeah, great. Thank you. And and thanks for having me back. So my name's Lisa Scales. I am the Talent Acquisition Director at Royal Mail Group PLC. Fantastic. And tell us a little bit about your background, because you've kind of worked in lots of different facets of talent acquisition, haven't you? Yeah. So I think I probably said it before, I'm ancient. So, <laughs> and I was trying to work out the other day, actually, how long I've been in the industry, but it uh, started getting into sort of uh, two or higher numbers for me to do it on hand. So uh, I stopped. I can talk in decades. So I suppose my background is uh, probably quite usual to a lot of people out there in the sense of, you know, I've done my time in agency side as well as in-house. But I suppose the other aspect, which sort of creates a triangle is is I've also been on the vendor side as well. I ran a technology business for eight years. Oh God, quite a long time ago now. Started setting it up in 2008. So that gives me a slightly different angle and possibly I do look at things through a possibly a little bit of a different lens. I'm well and truly embedded in in Royal Mail. And so my background, agency vendor, in-house, and uh, that's where I am today. Fantastic stuff. So Talk us through the the biggest recruiting challenges you've got at the moment and what the market looks like for you. Yeah. So probably give you some backdrop in terms of sort of the size of the challenge that I have in my role in terms of just the the scale of the organization. So Royal Mail has approximately 130,000 employees 
in the UK and Northern Ireland. And with that comes 1,200 delivery offices, 85,000 frontline workers, and obviously a lot of skilled support workers as well. So, you know, in terms of challenges, I think it's probably a bit of a tale of two halves, Matt, in the sense of, you know, we're scaling up for Christmas peak from a contingent workforce perspective. And uh, that's basically recruiting approximately 18,000 additional people to come and work in our organization around our busiest time of the year, ensuring that everybody gets their Christmas cards and parcels. And then similarly, you know, our BAU recruiting is at a scale in the sense of we are continually recruiting on the front line. And that's your postie on the street that you see every day and and, and give a wave to. So in terms of challenges, you know, I think we've got a real issue, and I I would say this from a UK PLC perspective, not just Royal Mail, that sort of frontline worker, you know, there is talent scarcity out there. And I talk about talent as in even the lower skilled workers, finding the right candidates with sort of the necessary skill sets that we'd be looking for and experience is, is becoming a real challenge. And I think we've probably seen, I'm calling it a bit of a Swiss cheese effect in the sense of, you know, over the last probably five years now, we've we've experienced so many sort of, I suppose, catastrophic sort of events in the sense of Brexit, COVID. It's all come to the sort of an aggregation of a really tricky labour market. And we're really feeling it in the sense of we're in a quite a competitive market in the sense of that sort of last mile delivery piece, as well as we're a huge organisation that needs support from extremely skilled people, from cybersecurity to finance professionals. So just the UK labour market, I feel, is squeezed and compressed and it's become a bit of a hotbed in terms of that high competition in all sectors. And we're all competing for, for, I suppose, what I would say, you know, that not airspace, but that eye time on people looking at our adverts, how's our employer brand, you know, how are we setting ourselves apart to be attractive to that person that definitely has a multitude of options. I'll come back to the temporary worker Christmas piece in a minute, because I think that's a conversation all by itself, I think. But focusing on on your kind of your sort of business of us- as usual and the challenges that you that you have, how do you sort of scale up your your strategy and and TA kind of resource quickly to deal with this now because obviously you know this is a problem that is only seemingly going to get worse as we move forward it's a really good question in terms of scaling up there's a real piece here around supply chain uh, management, which you don't actually hear in sort of, I suppose, recruiting circles so much. We have to rely on outsourcing some of the activity to enable us to scale up. Uh, you know, you have a recruitment team which has a, a a capacity limit. Just asking people to work harder to scale up is not a viable option. And it's a risky option because if it fails, it fails. So you have to basically completely mitigate your risk outsource elements of that, either part elements of that uh, candidate journey or fully outsource it. And, you know, we have some brilliant partnerships with our uh, preferred outsourcing partners. What I would say about that, though, is you don't just throw away the problem and, you know, throw it over the door and say, right, that's your problem. Go and find us a thousand people in the next three weeks. This is about proper supply chain management in terms of driving performance through third parties. And it's quite hard because I think as an industry, 
we're quite latent at times in this process. We think because we're paying a fee or, you know, whatever that sort of, um, you know, pricing model looks like, we sort of almost in some ways sort of renege ourselves from responsibility. I have to drive that performance so that they can help us with the volumes. The other thing that we do is we also turn the tap on our internal referrals. We've got a really solid I suppose, you know, there is a slight sort of friends and family atmosphere at Royal Mail. And actually being able to leverage our existing employees networks is brilliant. Because if you think about it, we deliver to every single postcode in the UK, highlands and islands. You know, uh, if you go to the Isle of Arran, you will still get your post. There's a real community feel to working at Royal Mail, which makes it feel very, very special. But similarly, it really helps us in those times where we have to scale up. And I suppose picking up on that bit and also the responsibilities that you have to get that performance from the supply chain and also the fundamental problem about the labour shortages and things like that, you know, the job of delivering mail I suppose the core work you do might not be seen by the younger people coming into the market as as a job that is necessarily for them. How do you bring that next generation through to kind of really sort of, well, deliver what you have to deliver? Yeah, completely, metaphorically and physically. No, it's a really good question and uh, a question that is probably at the top of certainly my CPO's worry list in terms of, you know, we have a population that, you know, demographically probably just doesn't reflect the communities we serve. So, you know, that that's an issue in itself. But similarly, how do we encourage the next generation of workers to see it as a viable option in terms of a, a career and a, an extremely rewarding role? I think we've got to leverage and we do leverage that, you know, the younger worker, um, that next generation of worker does often seek more meaningful work these days over just the paycheck. Now, it's all very easy for me to say that. And it does sound a little bit like words when we're in a situation where we have a cost of living crisis. So I get it. People have rent to pay. They've got families to feed. But there is something around that purpose driven work. And that's something we really try and lever in the sense of the postie has got such an interesting and and such an important job. And that's something that really attracted me from a value set to the organization. The fact is, is that sometimes the postie is the only person somebody will talk to in a day. And so that gives somebody a lot of responsibility, you know, a social responsibility. And I think you know, genuinely, Matt, in a post-COVID world, actually, people are more interested in that purposeful work. So, so that's one thing. And then, you know, in terms of, you know, the posty job, it's physically really demanding. We're asking somebody to walk 20,000 to 30,000 steps a day. Now, as the young generation are increasingly sort of focused on their well-being, we can really lever that as well in terms of, you know, actually get paid to stay fit. And, uh, you know, that, that physicality of the role really sort of plays into that. But also, you're joining an organization that A, is not only just has the legacy of a 500-year organization. There's not many people that can say your business was sort of set up by Henry VIII. It's the opportunities for growth and development. You know, there's a huge business behind you as a postie. You know, you may be the feet on the street, but there's huge amount of opportunity for growth and development, which is a massive incentive for somebody joining us. So with all that being said, it is still hard. And our ad campaigns in terms of the media 
you know, is all targeted. And we've won a couple of awards for it. So it's a brilliant campaign that we've created called For the People. And I wouldn't be shown it in terms of a programmatic perspective. Uh, I'm probably not the demographic, but actually, um, uh, you know, it's on TikTok, it's on Snapchat, it's on Instagram. And there's some brilliant videos of, I suppose, that next generation workforce uh, doing the job and, and actually what it gives them. In short answer is, is how do you lever all those brilliant things together to just show that it's not a role that is perceived, which it, it currently probably would be perceived as a, a, a bit of a, not a particularly sexy job to go into. I think that's really interesting, particularly what you're saying about the, the programmatic targeting and things like that, because I've not seen that campaign in the world, as it were, but I have actually seen the videos in another context. And they're, and they're, it's, it's really interesting and they're really good. Just quickly, tell us a little bit more about the strategy behind that and how you're trying to sort of shift those perceptions using those kind of short form social media videos. The strategy is, is that we are trying to change that perception. You know, Royal Mail, from a, a mainstream media perspective, probably hasn't been seen in the best light over the last few years in terms of, you know, some of the challenges we've had around industrial action. And, you know, there's quite a lot of coverage in terms of, you know, our quality challenges, in terms of how often people are getting their post or whether they're getting their post. And um, so there's there's quite a lot of negative press out there. And what we're trying to do is, is, is almost change that narrative and it's not about hoodwinking it's about actually just showing with all those things it, it actually doesn't matter there is a huge opportunity to have a brilliant career and so in terms of our strategy it absolutely was about how do we engage the next generation but but similarly it isn't just about that demographic of age. This is about diversity. This is about social mobility. This is about having people that are working for us that absolutely reflect who we, who we serve in terms of our customers. The strategy behind it was, you know, absolutely, you have to do the right targeting in the right places. And Matt, you know, I know your background of old, you will know exactly this. You know, there is a bit of a persona development in terms of who we're trying to attract. Yeah, absolutely. And um, just to pick up on something you said there about social mobility, talk us through the social mobility aspect of what you're doing. Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, we are, uh, I'm not going to start quoting with the largest, whatever, whatever, but, you know, a company that is, uh, you know, the organization, the size it is with 130,000 people, one in every 763 jobs advertised is a Royal Mail job. And there are low barriers to entry to work for us. And I think that gives people a huge opportunity that maybe haven't had the opportunity and privilege to, you know, go to further education, you know, have a job where they, you know, need to turn up in a suit every day, etc. The Royal Mail is the perfect grounding in terms of joining an organization and having that development. So there is a piece here about, you know, that a lot of the social mobility issues are around, well, how do I get to work? Well, there's 1,200 places you can work across the UK. You're not very far from a delivery office wherever you live. And I think that is a really big opportunity for us to engage with people from a socioeconomic background that maybe don't see themselves working for a brand like Royal Mail. And it's crucial for us as industry leaders to 
ensure there is a fair and equitable society out there in terms of the job market. But also, you know, from our point of view, promoting social mobility, you know, we are socially responsible as a business, but actually that is an advantage to us as well. Because if we are viewed as socially responsible, then job seekers with that purpose and that value set will want to come and work for us. So, you know, it's a win-win everywhere. There's no downside to it. And I think there's a huge opportunity for people to come in and have a fulfilling career with us and potentially progress and thrive as we want them to. A quick message from our sponsor, Winolo. Hi, everyone. I want to tell you about Winolo. That's W-O-N-O-L-O. Winolo stands for Work Now Locally. Winolo enables businesses to find quality workers for on-demand, seasonal, short-term and long-term work. Ditch the bulky paperwork and interview process and use Winolo to find quality workers fast and get work done even faster. With flexible workers and no platform fees, you can save on operating costs, meet demand and maximise earnings with ease. Winolo is available in over 100 markets, including Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta, New York and Seattle. Get workers who are ready to work and spend less time finding them with Winolo. Go to www.winolo.com slash pod. That's www.wonolo.com slash pod and take the stress out of finding workers. Coming back to the temporary workers and the 18,000 people that you have to recruit before before Christmas, <laughs> um, talk us through, I mean, how, how does that work? What are the challenges of recruiting temporary workers all at the same time at that kind of scale? Yeah, so it's a it's a really it's a really interesting challenge. I'm smiling because you know it sent me into a slight. When everybody anybody ever says that, it sends me into a slight tears. But do you know what? It's about having some amazing planning. And I know that sounds extremely boring, but you know we have an amazing sort of, I suppose, machine in the sense of our resourcing approach to engage with this amount of workers is a blended model. So we have a direct hire campaign where we will have, you know, upwards of 12,000 that will join us just on a seasonal basis that they, you know, we have a lot of people that return to us on an annual basis. And then we have our agency partners that, that back up our resourcing approach. And we also have a JV and we run our own staffing business as well. So we have a pool of candidates in that business that we can also pull on. So we have a campaign. We've got some brilliant imagery. I would uh, ask anybody to go and have a look at it that's already out there. The imagery and the advertising that we're doing this year is all on the theme of a slight different take on uh, songs from, from Christmas. So, for example, Signed, Sealed and Sorted, all we want for Christmas is you. Tis the season to be earning, fa la la la, and all that. So it's a, it's a it's a brilliant fun campaign that's doing brilliantly because we've already engaged twenty thousand people 
And so planning is absolutely key. So there's a lot of fun things to do, but there's a lot of supply chain management and engagement and planning. And what we actually do is, is we, 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 we look at the plan and we look at where that plan needs to be in terms of deploying it. And what actually will happen is, is that we will create a pool of people. So, for example, you know, if our demand plan is 18,000, we will, we will go out and recruit a pool of 20,000 so that we can pull on that pool so that we have an on-demand on profile, which enables us to, you know, not have any gaps. We can't afford to have gaps. There's no wiggle room on failure on this. We have to uh, deliver. <laughs> I hate saying that. Um, <laughs> but we, we, we absolutely can't fail. And how we do it is exactly as I've said. There's a three-pronged approach. There's a lot of planning, supply chain management. But the key thing is, is creating a pool big enough that you can pull on. And what I would say is we do agile management of our contingent workforce. For example, in the Midlands, if one of our hubs, uh, for example, is short, we will bus people towards that hub from other areas. So we've got a whole logistics piece around it as well. Wow, that sounds like a massive operation. Yeah, and the, the peak team, my peak team, are just absolute experts at it. They know exactly what they're doing and everybody knows their roles. And it's one of those really brilliant teams where there's a huge amount of honesty. It's just a, this is what's on the table. We need this to tackle this problem. And, you know, they absolutely lean into it. You mentioned right at the the start of the conversation about your your background in technology. Tell us about the role technology kind of plays, you know, across the board in everything that you're doing. So I, probably what I would say is, is that we have some really exciting stuff in track in terms of technology, but we are also engaging with robots all over our processes. So from an RPA perspective, they all have names. They all have Christmas names to the Peaks ones. So we have Nick and we have Vixen and we have all sorts of uh, different names for our robots. And they do a lot of the heavy lifting. We are a SAP house, so we have success factors and we utilize that technology absolutely to to <laughs> to its capability, you know, outward capability. And similarly, there's also other things that we have in terms of our Christmas chatbot, which enables people to apply for the peak work that I was talking about. So in terms of technology, we are levering it as much as we possibly can. We know we've got lots more to do. And um, I suppose that's one of my big challenges coming into this role is where can we see the opportunity for more? And I suppose it's the perfect organization because of the scale that we're working at. So from an AI and automation perspective, we will absolutely be overlaying the existing technology. So I would say it's more overlay and augment as opposed to rip out and start afresh. That's not the strategy. And we really utilize, I suppose, our own in-house expertise from a data science perspective as well. So there's a whole industry of reporting that we have to do on, you know, the operation. But the biggest sort of, I suppose, future advantage is, is I suppose, the AI piece and how we're going to manage that to enable us to scale our recruiting efforts. And, you know, make our processes more efficient and help us to make more data driven decisions. 
And there is something very exciting afoot, but I'll wait for another episode because I think you will ah. absolutely love it. But I'm I'm just going to say neuroscience to you. Oh, nice. Oh, I, I so want to know more. I so want to know more. You have to come <laughs> back and tell us all about it. Um, I, I want to ask you one more question. Before I do, though, just clarify exactly what you mean by robot in this context, because I've got lots of different things in my head now when you, when you said that. Yeah. So we have robots that are doing basically the rapid sort of automation piece. We're using robotic process automation tools to do some of the work for us. And it is a big lifting and shifting of data, pushing people's details into that system there, whether it's, you know, going through to a payroll system, whether it's going to a third party or whatever. So it's, it's RPA in terms of process automation stuff. Now, that's exactly what I thought you meant. Yeah. But I couldn't help thinking it might be robotic recruiters and things like that. So um, <laughs> with that in mind, um, and what we've just been talking about, as, as a final question, what do you think the future of talent acquisition looks like with all the, the, the technology that we've seen coming in and also the challenges that, that every company's having with talent at the moment? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the million dollar question, isn't it? And I know you ask every guest. <laughs> and I'm just going to have a quick check at my crystal ball. But I think the thing is, is AI and automation, it is absolutely, whether it's coming here, already been here, or whatever guys it's in, I mean, you know, again, it's all that buzzword. It's, you know, whether it's actual just language processing or is his proper AI. This is going to play an increasingly significant role in, in streamlining all processes. From my perspective, I'm sure my team will be delighted to hear that I'm, I'm not looking to replace them yet as a robot. There is human interaction required, and we, we will always have that, that, that human element. However, what I would say is, is the heavy lifting can be done. And this is about giving the candidate as much of a better experience as, as well as the recruiter and our hiring managers. And, and just going to that sort of a candidate experience, you know, the reality is, especially in sort of, I suppose, final mile roles, you are interested in getting a job and earning money quickly. If we can get you through that as quickly as possible, and bearing in mind, my team currently have a time to offer of a nine days we're pretty good at it anyway. If I can challenge the team and get that down to three, even better. And sometimes it is three, but, you know, on a consistent basis. So that is a key for me. I think the DNI piece will never go away and it shouldn't. And I'm hoping that it will go away in the sense of we don't talk about it. You know, that is increasingly becoming far more I suppose, embedded in terms of what we do, and it's becoming more commonplace, and that will only continue. I think what will happen in the future is, is that recruitment will be tied, and this may help with automation and AI, far more to the overall employee experience. So the recruitment sort of, I suppose, metric may go further into the employee journey than it will uh, just stop on, say, day one or month three or whatever they talk about. So about shifting from that hiring employees to retaining them through sort of those better overall experiences from day one through to year five. Lisa, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you so much for having me back. My thanks to Lisa. 
If you're a fan of the Recruiting Future podcast, then you will absolutely love our newsletter, Recruiting Future Feast. Not only does it give you the inside track on what's coming up on the show, you can also find everything from book recommendations to insightful episodes from the archives and first access to new content that helps you to understand where our industry is heading. Sign up now and also get instant access to the recording of my recent webinar on the future of talent acquisition. Just go to recruitingfuturefeast.com slash webinar. That's recruitingfuturefeast.com slash webinar. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify or via your podcasting app of choice. Please find and search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com and don't forget to sign up for the newsletter Recruiting Future Feast. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.